Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, if we think that the point of this life is getting the most money, the most stuff, then we do not understand God's purposes. In our gospel lesson, we see Jesus teaching a parable to his disciples that is also directed to the Pharisees who were listening in. Who are the Pharisees? These guys were the religious leaders. They were supposed to be teaching God's word to the people. They were supposed to be teaching God's law. And then in the fullness of that law, they were to be pointing to the Messiah who was to come, whom all the sacrifices pointed to. In other words, their job was much like pastors today, to point out our sin, our need for a Savior, and then to point us to Jesus, all through God's Word. But somewhere along the line, these men had lost their focus. They started getting their goals a little misconstrued. They started thinking a little bit more about money. And this type of thinking actually led to abuses in the church, which was actually the synagogue at that time, the holy temple. People began looking at the daily sacrifices that were necessary before Jesus' death and resurrection. They started looking at these sacrifices as a way to make profits. You know, if we just started growing our own, we could charge them for them. And it would be convenient because then people didn't have to bring their calf, they didn't have to bring their lamb all the way across the desert. That's, too, that's a lot of hassle. Why don't we just grow them for them? And they started making a lot of money. In other words, the Pharisees started looking at the people who came to the church as potential sales instead of as souls created by God that were to be redeemed by the Messiah. How do we look at other people? When you look at someone, do you size them up as someone who would be beneficial for you to know? Or do you look at them and say, you know what? This person actually seems like a bit of an obstacle, a time waster. Thankfully, even though my wife saw me as an obstacle and time waster, <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> or do you see people as dollar signs? People that can help you make money or people that will cost you money. You see people as those who will build you up or as those who are going to tear you down. Or do you see everyone as someone that is loved by God so much that he sent his son to die for that person? In other words, do we see people from our sinful nature or are we looking at people with the love that we have first received from God in Jesus? So Jesus tells this parable to people 
that are lovers of money. If we're honest, I think that we all tend to think of money as a problem solver. If I can pay off this student loan, I will be set. If I can just make this amount of money, I will be set and able to marry. And I can start having kids. But to do so before I make this amount of money would be irresponsible. If I can just make this amount of money, I'll be set for retirement. If I can just make this amount of money, then I'll be able to start tithing and giving to the church. I just need to make this amount of money and then things are going to turn around for me. And I think we all have that magic amount that would make things better in the right here and now. How much money do you need to feel secure? I've got a number. And I'm not there. But if you can think of an amount like I can think of an amount, or if you've thought of an amount, then in some ways we are all guilty of making money into a God. It's the American way. I'm sure it's your way in one way or another. I just want to point out that Jesus is telling this parable to us as well, not just people 2,000 years ago. Not just to those corrupt religious leaders. We all know how they can be. Just kidding. (laughs) I think things are way more funny than you do. (laughs) But Jesus tells this parable. He says, there was a rich man who had a manager... And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. The first thing to note in this parable is that we are meant to understand God is the rich man. And we are the manager. This parable rightly points out that we wish we were the rich man. And if the rich man actually is God in this parable, then this parable points out that we are guilty of wanting to be like God ourselves. In other words, we want to be in control of ourselves. We want the same thing that Adam and Eve wanted in the garden, right? They saw that the fruit was uh, desirable to make one wise and that he would be like God knowing good from evil. That was the first temptation. It's still our temptation. We always, like somebody I know very closely to me, uh, of age six years old, (laughs) always says, I want to do what I want to do. How's that any different than this manager? How's that any different than you and me? I want stuff, and I want it to be mine, and I don't want to share. (laughs) The truth of the matter is that everything we have 
is actually owned by someone else. And everything that we have, it is a part of this dying world and it will die also. There's nothing that you can have that you can take to heaven with you. We are to understand that money and stuff in this world are just means. They are means by which we interact with people who are created for eternity. People are eternal. Money and stuff is not. The people that we interact with were created by God for eternity. And Jesus died so that every single one of these people that we interact with can get into heaven. The Bible verse doesn't say God so loved that awesome sweet house that he laid down his life in order to get it. No, he so loves you and me that he laid down his life so that his enemies, in Romans 5, his weak enemies, that's us, so we could be saved. He came to save eternal people, not perishing stuff. We don't want to fight with eternal souls over perishing stuff. This stuff is to be managed by us for the glory of their true owner. In other words, the manager is to glorify the rich man. But so often we mismanage what has been entrusted to us. Even if we make more money, even if we go bankrupt, in some ways, we are guilty of mismanagement. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how little you have. Money can still be your God. Because in one way or another, we are all guilty of acting as though money and stuff is more important than people. We are guilty of acting as though this stuff is really ours. On the day of our death or Christ's return, whichever comes first, all of the things that we fight over will be gone. And we will have to give an account as to how this stuff was managed. Did we act as though our stuff was a means to show care for others? Or was it used as a reason to fight with others? The rich man said to his manager, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in your account of your management, for you can no longer be my manager. He called out his sin, his mismanagement. Now as we listen on, Jesus' parable starts to get a little confusing, a little less easy to understand. So listen closely. You can read along with me if you'd like. Silently. <laughs> And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. And I've, just, I've now decided what to do. So 
So when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one. Notice it's his master's debtors, not his. Summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. Then this is the confusing verse. The master, the rich man, commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He was like, good thinking. He was under no responsibility to honor these things. He'd already fired the guy. There's no responsibility at all. And yet he sits back and he says, well played. How does this make the rich man look to all of his debtors? Good, merciful, generous. But what is Jesus talking about here? Is he telling people that we should steal from rich men in order to make friends with those who owe the rich man money? Rob, is he telling us to be Robin Hood and his merry men? <laughs> Why in the world would this master, this rich man, commend the dishonest master for his shrewdness? Why wouldn't he be furious with these actions that cost him money? Why would he even honor it? Remember, Parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. The rich man, who does he represent? God. And what is God most concerned about? Is he more concerned about money, stuff, riches, or people? When his manager began canceling debts with others, it actually made the rich man, that is God, look better because he canceled the debts in the name of the rich man. That is, he canceled the debts in God's name. So the people were led to believe that the rich man was generous through the actions of the manager. Now the motives of the manager were still not good, but let me ask you this. Why wasn't the manager afraid of canceling the rich man's debts? Why wasn't he afraid? Because he knew the rich man. He knew that the rich man was merciful and that the rich man valued people over possessions. The manager's knowledge of the rich man caused him to be merciful to others. And this mercy, it won him friends. God is righteous. He calls out our sin. He called out the sins of the manager. 
But God is merciful and he is quick to forgive debt. How does this knowledge affect the way that you and I interact with others? Jesus told the parable, told the people, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, notice not if it fails, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Here Jesus is saying, that we should use our worldly money and possessions to care for others, to show them God's love for them. Then you will have a relationship that has the possibility of lasting for eternity. You're not going to buy people into heaven. But what if you're not so quickly to, like Clint Eastwood, get off of my lawn? What if you're more quick to listen, to talk? If you got an extra five bucks, why not buy somebody a coffee? That's how much it's costing nowadays. <laughs> Use money and stuff and possessions to show love and care. If you have the opportunity to share with somebody, that makes them feel good. When my son says to my daughter, you want to play with me, Adeline? Here, you can play with this toy that's not hers. It goes a long ways. What do you have that you could share that would go a long ways. Now it's not a sin to be rich. If you are rich, that just means that God has given you more to manage for the good of people that are eternal. And it's not a sin to be poor either. But both poor and rich people can sin alike. They can both make God into a money. Make money into a God. <laughs> but we are to be grateful wherever God has placed us. Really try doing this. I'm serious. Try saying thank you. You will be tempted to complain later today. It's a prophecy. <laughs> when you start to complain... I challenge you to stop yourself and to list at least five things that you are thankful that God has given you. And notice what Luther writes in the small catechism. It's not big things. It's thanks for my clothes. Thanks for my shoes. Thanks for my family. Thanks for my food. All of these things are perishing, and yet God sustains you through them. And God can sustain others through the things that he's entrusted to your management. When you are tempted to complain, stop and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Thank you. Then, I want you to recognize, God has placed you exactly where you are so that you would be brought to the waters of baptism. 
That is the most important thing, this side of, this side of eternity. And then after you've been baptized, if you've not been baptized, talk to me. But then after you have been baptized, he places us where you or places us where we are in order that we would continue to rely on him and so that we would bear fruit of love for our neighbor. The most important thing this side of heaven is for people to hear that God loves them so much that he sent his son to save them from hell. That's the most important thing. And once we receive that saving work, the most important thing is for God to use us and our money and our stuff to be a part of that saving work for others. Feel free to pray with me. Lord, forgive our mismanagement and help us to understand the depths of your love for us and for all humanity that was given for us on the cross of your Son. And make us a people that trust in your love and provision so much that we freely use your gifts for the benefit of our neighbor that they would see our good works and praise you who are in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.